0: church how are y'all this morning um welcome everyone both here in person and online um our mission as most of you know is to know jesus to enjoy jesus and to glorify him and our vision uh is to be broken people coming together to embrace and extend jesus's love so thank you for being part of that this morning that's what we invite you into here in this community uh, I have just a couple of announcements before we proceed into in worship. So one, uh, we have a congregational meeting tonight for all members. Uh, that is at five. If at all possible, please be here in person. Um, but it also uh, you can join via Zoom if you can't be here. but we strongly encourage and invite everyone to come if they can. Um, uh, then also, just continuing with our regular rhythm, we have prayer. Uh, prayer gathering on Wednesday nights right now at 7. Uh, that's also in person and on Zoom. So please come to that if you can here at the church if you want to be in person. Um, and those are all the announcements I have. So let's now proceed. I want to read a verse as our words of preparation from Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. So as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted in him, built upon him, and established in the faith as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's have just a few minutes uh, to silently meditate and prepare our Jesus, thank you for gathering us here together. Um, Thank you for your love and um, that you protect us, that you uh, draw us to you, and that you doing that does not depend on how we feel about it. Um, Even when we don't sense your presence, um, when we are even turned away, you're still there with us. I thank you for that. I pray as in the Colossians verse we just read, I pray that you would root us deeply in our faith um, that it wouldn't be a shallow um, thing that the roots if uh, where they are shallow in our lives would go deeper water that soil of our hearts, um, make us receptive to your word, make even this morning uh, an avenue by which we the roots of our faith would go deeper. And um, I pray that we would be thankful. It's really easy. um, Well, it's really easy to not be thankful. It's easy to see what we don't like or is inconvenient. Uh, But um, but I pray that we would practice Thanksgiving and that in the practice of it, that it would take uh, root as well in our hearts. So this morning, as we proceed in worship and prayer, and fellowship, uh, especially afterwards, at, after the service, that um, thankfulness would be something that we would practice, and you'd use that to do a work in our hearts as well. Uh, we love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.
1: Good morning. Please stand for our call to worship. It is um, taken from the song, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Please join with me where it reads, Congregation. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before you opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness. Fill us with the light of day. All your works with joy surround you. Earth and heaven reflect your rays. Stars and angels sing around you. Center of unbroken praise. Field and forest Veil and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, chanting bird and flowing fountain, praise you eternally. Amen. Please be seated. Our call to confession this morning is from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, and it reads, But exhort one another every day. As long as as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's take a few moments for silent repentance. For our assurance of pardon, from 2 Corinthians 5:21, For our sake he made himself to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. The word of the Lord.
0: Pray with me. Dear Jesus, uh, thank you for the words of that song that we just read uh, and how they point to your beauty uh, and the beauty of your creation and your creativity. Let us not skip over that. Um, Every day we're greeted with um, a ridiculous, lavish display of color and light and sound opportunity to just sit and revel in your, in your creativity, in the messages and the, and the words and the things that your creation screens out, and we would pass by it as if it's just ordinary and or even gray and dull because we're used to it. And I thank you that you um, have given us such a beautiful place to live, even if it is broken. Uh, and the beauty that is around us points to your your intent and your design and your goodness. I thank you for all of that. Um, and I thank you that you didn't just make this place beautiful, but that you were with us and you were in it and you entered into it. Thank you that you, Jesus, came and lived and walked inside of your creation. And you know what it is to be human. God, who isn't just above us, but who is with us, and it's like the, the 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 title Emmanuel means that God is with us. And please help us to grasp that a little bit more. Be thankful. Um, and thank you for everybody who's here gathered this morning. For each heart, each. Whether they're one years old or on up into, however the oldest person here is, however old they are, I thank you for each of their stories, each of our stories, and um, that you would do a work in each of these hearts, even this morning. Thank you for Pastor Alex and the word that he will bring. I pray that you would be, even now, preparing him, and uh, as we've prayed. Already, prepare our hearts to receive that word and, and do work inside of us, uh, to, that we would not just be here gathered uh, for a time to feel good or even to feel convicted and then forget it in an hour or in a day, um, but we would, this would serve to orient us towards you and that we would follow you throughout the rest of our week, and uh, I thank you for loving us and bearing with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to read the passage of Scripture from which the sermon will be based. Uh, It's from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 36. So immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gisinoret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick. And implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well.
2: Morning, everyone. Good good to see you all. you've had a good weekend well did y'all have a good weekend are you having a good weekend okay you can you you can talk back to me it's not you're not going to get in trouble it's okay i won't tell jesus on you that was a joke said, our text today is still in Matthew chapter uh, fourteen. We're going to uh, conclude with this chapter today. Um, you know, we, feelings of abandonment and doubt are you know are common human experiences. Now, would, would y'all agree to that? Like, sometimes you know you feel abandoned. Sometimes you have doubts. And and that is just universal, regardless of your your age and your your gender or or your ethnicity. There are going to be seasons in your life when you feel Mm -hmm. abandoned. There's going to be seasons of your life where you have doubts. And these are common experiences. And they're even common experiences among Christians. Even if you come to faith, you know, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior because he died on the cross for all your sins. Even when you make the professional faith, that doesn't mean now all of a sudden you're not going to ever have feelings of abandonment, that you're not going to ever have feelings of doubt. It doesn't mean that. The late, Eugene Peterson, the late Eugene Peterson once said, belief does not exempt us from feelings of abandonment by God. And praising God does not inoculate us from doubts about God. Both are common human experiences on this side of glory they are so that means so faith so belief and and unbelief are inside all of us faith and doubt that they face off inside of us daily and weekly and monthly as common christian experiences and today we're, we're going to see we're going to continue seeing faith and doubt face off in matthew chapter 14 Now, their first face-off was in verses 13 through 21, and their final face-off is going to be in verses 22 through 36. The big idea of this sermon is the same as last week. Faith in the way helps y'all not to live in doubt, but it does give y'all the freedom to struggle with it. Faith in Jesus helps y'all not to live in doubt, But he does give you the freedom to struggle with it. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as I pray each week, uh, I pray again today. And that prayer is for you to take this word that you have given and that you will use it to minister to each of us. Minister to me minister to the congregation that's here, minister to the saints and guests that are tuning in uh, um, virtually. And so, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your power. We need your presence. We need your assurance. We need you to remind us of truth. We need you to give comfort. We need you to give conviction. We need you to, to, to reveal blind spots that we can't see. So, Holy Spirit, do it for the glory of our God. And for our benefit and good. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Storm. A storm is often used as a metaphor for seasons of distress, crisis, injustice, suffering, and grief. And, and people are either going through a storm or they're going to go through a storm. That's just reality. Families are either going through a storm. Are going to go through a storm. Personal relationships. Are either going through a storm. Or going to go through a storm. Churches. Are either going through a storm. Or going to go through a storm. Individuals. Are either going through a storm. Or going to go through one. That's just life. Storms are a reality of life. For all people. For the Christian and the non-Christian. And in the storms of life. Faith. And doubt will face off in you they will face off they'll face off in seasons of distress and and crisis and injustice and suffering and grief and in too much enthusiasm which we're going to see today the two types of storms can be gleaned from the text today the first storm comes after jesus feeds the five thousand in verses 16 through 21 You see, something happens after the people finish eating their food. After they finish eating the bread and finish eating the fish, something happens. Something takes place that that Matthew doesn't record in his gospel. It's something that that Jesus doesn't want his disciples to be a part of. Do y'all know what it is? What do y'all think it is? The gospel of John tells us. What happens after the people are done with their meal? John chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. See, the the, the feeding of the 5,000 is is the one miracle that's in all four Gospels, okay? It's the one miracle that's in all four Gospels. So in John uh, 6, verses 14 and 15, after Jesus feeds the people, this is what the verse says. It says, when the people saw the sign that, that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet Who is to come into the world and Jesus perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. He withdrew to a mountain by himself. You see, the feeding miracle leads the people, all these people to hail Jesus as the prophet who's to come from Deuteronomy 18. And that is a good response because he is the prophet who is to come into the world. But their response doesn't stop there. They also want to take Jesus by force and they want to force him into a governmental, into a political role, leadership role that the Roman Empire controls. They want to make him king. Now, a lot has to happen where they're going to make Jesus a king. Jesus perceives this, and and he knows their intentions, and and he sees their their enthusiasm for the miracle. And sometimes enthusiasm can lead you to make unwise decisions. That's an amen statement. You see, the crowd, they have a misunderstanding of Jesus now. They they want him to be an earthly and political person. Messiah who is going to defeat the Roman Empire and fully establish the kingdom of God now. Make no mistake here, saints and guests. Please clearly understand what the people are wanting. There's over 5,000 people here. It's a lot of people. And they want to make Jesus king by force. And in order to do that, they got to go to war with Rome. Eventually they have to storm. They have to storm Rome itself to dethrone the emperor. Blood will be shed, lives will be lost if this course of action is taken, and and such a move would be a detour from what Christ has come to do and accomplish in His first coming, which is what to defeat sin and death through His life, death and resurrection. That's the whole purpose of the first coming. Now the second coming, oh yeah. He's coming. He's coming to do the other thing. But the first coming isn't about that. In John chapter two, verses twenty three and twenty five, John writes. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So Jesus is going to entrust himself to this large crowd of people. He wants no part in what he perceives is, is developing inside of them in Matthew chapter 14. He's not going to join in their enthusiasm to make him king by force. He has no interest in being their political messiah. Because, listen, we all have our Plato Jesus, the Jesus we want, the the kind of Jesus we want him to be, to fulfill our plan, our agenda, our goals. Because the people tasted of his goodness. Now they want to use that for their own selfish purposes. And guess what Christ does after he discerns the people's intentions? His first response. It's to get the disciples out of Dodge. That's his first response. He doesn't want them to get sucked into a potential mob mentality. He doesn't want them to get sucked into this crowd's enthusiasm. He doesn't want them to be involved in, in staging a coup to make him king. In verse 22, it says, Jesus immediately made the disciples get into a boat and go to the other side before him. This is not a gentle request. It is not an optional suggestion. He is forcing them into the boat without entertaining why questions. Don't ask any questions. Peter, I don't want to hear it. Peter, don't ask it. Peter, I said no questions. Just get in the boat and get to the other side. They obey his voice and they leave him behind. And again, why do you think he stays behind? Why does he stay behind? He stays behind because there's something he alone needs to address with this crowd of more than 5,000 people. Now, some, some scholars think it's more than 20,000 people when you factor into the women and kids. So keep in mind, the crowd has tasted and witnessed the power of Jesus. It excites them, fills them with enthusiasm. It even reveals their misunderstanding of him. And now they want to use Jesus and his power for their own plan. They want to make him king even by force. There is a storm raging inside of them. It's an eternal storm. It's on the verge to developing into a physical storm. Jesus needs to calm this storm before it develops into an uncontrollable mob mentality. You see, all storms don't come from nature. And all storms don't develop because of bad weather. Some storms are man-made. Man-created. Man initiated and man developed. Just reflect on the history of America that has not been whitewashed. Like the Tulsa riots, that took Tulsa race massacre that, that happened on May, May 31st through June 1st, 1921. That's a man-made storm. And in verse 22, it says Christ dismisses the crowd. And to dismiss a large crowd requires some spoken communication. And I want to believe Christ works another miracle here. Somehow he works a miracle. Somehow he calms the storm raging inside of these people before it develops into a Category 5 hurricane. Somehow he does it. So what storms are raging inside of the village church because of our sin, our indifference, our misunderstanding of Jesus, and our own selfish agendas? What storms are raging or could rage? What storms are developing inside your own heart? What storms are developing within your Christian group and tribe? Because we do have our Christian groups and tribes that we're a part of. What storms are raging there because y'all just misunderstand Jesus and lack love for people who are different from you and your tribe? Faith and doubt will face off in man-made storms, storms of our own creation. Sometimes you will be a victim of man-made storms. Sometimes you would be a storm watcher of man-made storms. And other times you would be a perpetrator of man-made storms. Victims of man-made storms, they will struggle with doubt about Jesus' presence with them. Does he really care? Does he really see what we're suffering? Is he really good? Because I read his word. He says he's good, but I'm looking at what I'm experiencing and what I'm suffering. It, it doesn't add up. Is he really good? You might haven't said that, but if you make you adventure, you will go through something, and you will utter those words, is he really good? Just live life long enough. Storm watchers are man-made storms. They have their doubts about Jesus, too. They believe Jesus doesn't really want Christians in the church to say anything about the storms, so they watch the storms from a distance as they wreak havoc on the lives of other people. And some of them maybe, maybe even say, well, the storm, storm isn't that bad. I don't really know what these people are talking about. And some storm watchers criticize people who are actually trying to resist and fight against the storm. Perpetrators of man-made storms, they have their doubts too. They misunderstand Jesus. They attempt to redefine Jesus into their own image to justify what they're doing. They even develop theology to justify the man-made storms they are using to inflict pain on others. Just look at the history of the church. Just look at history. I'm here to tell y'all this morning, Jesus won't abandon his people. You may feel that way. You may think that. But he will not abandon his people to resist and fight and engage in man-made storms alone. Somehow he'll come. Somehow he'll make a way. Somehow he'll calm the storm. But do y'all believe it? Do y'all believe it? After he dismisses the crowd, then he goes up to the mountaintop by himself to pray. It's been a long day of ministry, healing all these people, performing a miracle, you know, preventing an insurrection. So the Lord needs a break. He heads up onto the mountaintop to commune with his father. And again, if if Jesus needed rest, how much us? How about us? How about you? Let's just be honest. Sometimes you get tired of people. Let's just be honest. Sometimes you get tired of people here. And sometimes you need a break to go commune with God. Let's just be honest about that. If Jesus needed a break, we need a break, too. If Jesus needed a rest, we need rest, too. It ain't a spiritual gift to burn yourself out. That ain't a spiritual gift. It is not. It is not. So Christ is on this mountain for a long time, and while he's up there, the disciples enter into a storm of their own. Look at verses 23-23 through verse 24 when evening came jesus was up there on the mountain alone but the boat by this time was a long way from the land beaten by the waves for the wind was against the disciples do y'all see the contrast that between the disciples and jesus jesus is in a calm and peaceful place he's on the mountaintop resting then the 12 they're not in a restful place they're not in a peaceful place. The the boat is actually struggling against a real powerful storm. This is not a metaphor. This is real. This is an actual storm. The waves and wind are are raging against them. And the disciples are in a storm they didn't create for themselves. This isn't a man-made storm here. And some storms come into our life. This is the second type of storm. This is what I call the fall-made storm. Some storms come into our life simply because we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. Some storms, the consequences of the fall, like mental health issues and addictions. Those are storms for certain people. Some people didn't do something. They didn't sin sometimes for those things to happen. Just the fall has fallen on them. So everything that we go through is not because you sin. It's because we live in a fallen world. And when we don't acknowledge that, we hurt people. A mother struggling with postpartum depression, she's not struggling with that because she's a sinner. Because the fall has fallen on her. And you going and, 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 and saying stuff like that is not loving at all. So where is Jesus in the midst of these man-made and, and fall-made storms? And that's a question that we're all going to ask ourselves. Where is he while the 12 are struggling with that storm? Does he care? Does he really see them? Is he really good? Does he even know that his 12 disciples are in a storm? Jesus is up on a mountain in a calm and peaceful place, communion with the Father. Now, he knows the 12 are in a storm, but he doesn't immediately go to them. The storm comes upon the disciples in the evening. Jesus doesn't get to them but until between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. And that's a long time to be in a storm, and your Savior knows you in the storm, but he ain't coming yet. He doesn't rush to them, but he does come. As one black gospel gospel song says, he might not come when you want him, but he'll be right there right on time because he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. And you got to hold on to that. You got to hold on to that hope. Got to hold on to that comfort. But he's coming. Look at verses. Look at verse twenty-five with me. It says, "In the fourth watch of the hour, Jesus comes to the disciples, walking on water. A miracle is taking place. Another one. This, this is supernatural. Who walks on water <laughs> in the midst of a storm? <laughs> Jesus does." He's making a way out of no way, saints, in the midst of the storm. Now, I want you all to notice something about what's happening in this passage. Jesus comes to them walking on the water in the midst of the storm. The waves and the wind are still raging as Jesus is walking towards the disciples. He doesn't calm the storm first and then come to them. He doesn't fix it first. Then comes to them. He comes to them while the storm is raging. He walks towards them as the wind and, and the waves are, are beating up against their boat. He is coming to them, y'all. Come on, y'all. He 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 would join you in your storm. Facing in this one thing, but saying he's gonna join me in the storm too. What a savior. Word of God, that He joins us in our storms. So, whatever man made storm that you're in, whatever fall storm, fall made storm that you're in, Jesus is going to join you in that storm. He might come through a miracle or supernaturally, or He might come through ordinary or mundane means, but He will come. And the point is that He will not abandon you to face the storms of life alone even though you may struggle with doubt about his presence and power in the midst of the storm. He's there. He's Emmanuel. In the storms you're currently facing, in the storms you're going to face, in the storms you're facing as a covenant community, in the storms you're facing as an individual, in the storms you're facing as a family, Jesus will come toward you. He's making a way out of nowhere. Just like he's making his way towards the disciples. Keep in mind, again, the wind and the waves are still raging as Christ walks towards them on water. Now, what do y'all think that means for the 12? What do you think it means? It means their vision is blurry. Jesus is walking towards them, but they can't clearly see that it's Jesus. Because the storm. The storm blocks their view of Jesus. They notice someone is walking towards them, but they don't know it's Jesus Himself. The storm leads them to assume Jesus is a ghost coming to do them more harm. His His presence and His power, it, it, it shakes them out of their sandals. And, and see, their response is, is very different from the crowd who got fed. They were excited with enthusiasm because of Jesus' the presence and power. But the disciples in their storm, they are afraid. Because the storm is preventing them from seeing that it's Jesus coming towards them. Look at verse 26. But the disciples saw him walking on sea, and they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. Man-made storms will do the same to y'all. They block your view of Jesus, making it difficult for you to notice his presence and power as it's coming toward you in the midst of your storm. He's moving toward y'all. But y'all might be terrified and say, it's a ghost or it's something else. How is your storm leading you to misinterpret Jesus' power and presence as something else that's coming to do you harm? What what wrong assumptions are you making about Jesus because your storm is blocking your view of him? Let's be honest. When you're in a storm, your view of Jesus is cloudy. Let's not deny that. That's going to come in here and, and saying when you're suffering and, and you're going through stuff, you, that you see him clearly. You do not see him clearly. Just own it. And guess what? It's okay to admit it. Because you can't clearly see him in your storm. It's okay to admit you feel you can't feel and sense his his presence and, and power. It's okay to, to admit you feel alone and you feel abandoned by him. You It's okay to admit that. It's okay to admit that you're in a storm, stuck in a storm, and you don't see any way out. It's okay to even admit that you are afraid. It's okay to admit that. Listen, saints and guests. We aren't going to get from Jesus what the disciples get from Jesus in this storm, okay? Jesus is physically with them. And immediately he ministers to their fear by speaking to them in the storm. He says to them, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. For us, those words will come through the voice of the spirit, through word and prayer. For us, those words may come from other Christians, take heart. Jesus is with you, and I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You see, the communion of saints can be a blessing in your life when you're facing a storm that you can't get out of. The communion of saints is is a blessing in your life when you can't feel Jesus' presence and his power in your life. You need other believers in your life. Now, listen, I wish Jesus would come down to my storms and say, take heart, Alex, it is I. Don't be afraid. But he's not, but what he's going to do, he's going to do that through Richard. He may do that through Larry or some of the other Christians here. And the question is, can I receive it? Can you receive it? It ain't a sign of Christian maturity to say you can suffer in a storm alone. That's not Christian maturity. That's naivete. That's not spiritual growth. When you're misinterpreting Jesus' power and presence in your life, other Christians can help you. But do you believe it, or do you think it's just you and Jesus and your family? It's okay to believe, and it's okay to struggle with doubt. And when you are, call the saints. Call your sisters and brothers. We need one another in this church. Maybe Christians that you're connected with that's not part of this church. This is why it's important to be in community with other believers. The disciples believe and they still doubt that it's Jesus walking on the water, even though he said to them, take heart it is I. do not be afraid. So Peter, believing while struggling with doubt, answers Jesus by saying, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says to him, one word, come. Come. So Peter gets out of the boat. Walks on the water heading towards Jesus, but when he sees the wind, he is afraid again and begins to sink and cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand, and takes hold of him, saying, oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got back in the boat, when he got in the boat, that's when the storm ceased. Why do you think Peter is able to walk on water? while the storm rages? Is it because his faith is greater than the other 11? Is it because he's more righteous? Is it because he's a good Christian? Is it because he has more courage and a stronger will? No, it is not. That's not the reason. Keep in mind why he wants to get out of the boat. He doesn't want to get out of the boat so he can walk on water. He wants to come to Jesus in the storm. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. The power isn't in Peter and the purity of his faith. The power is in Jesus who says to him, come. Come. That's the power. Not in Peter's believing that he can walk on water. The power is in the word that Christ spoke to him. Come. Peter begins to sink. Because he takes his eyes off of Jesus and focuses on the storm. The words of you, a little faith, why are you doubting, is referring to why did Peter doubt Jesus' command? Jesus told him to come. Come. So who are you going to believe more? Jesus or your storm? Who controls your life? Jesus or your storm? Who controls your destiny? Jesus or your storm? Who's your God? Jesus or your storm? Who is it? It's Jesus. Got to be Jesus. Where are your eyes today as the storm rages in your life? Who are you focused on? Who are you looking at? Has Jesus commanded you to come to him in the storm? When he sends other people into your life to remind you of his presence and goodness, do you come to them? Because of Jesus. You can step out in your storm. Because of Jesus, you can still flourish. The power of faith isn't in its purity. The power of faith is in the person. The power of faith isn't in the person who has faith. The power isn't in the object of the faith Jesus. Notice the the, the last part of this text when Jesus went to this other place, these people came to him and said, We want you to heal us, but all we need to do is touch the hem of your garment. That's power. That's the object. Jesus didn't even have to lay his hands on them because they realized who they're standing in front of. Jesus is able to heal even if he doesn't even touch people. That's power. That's your Jesus. And y'all got me sweating up here. So the object, if the object of your faith is worthless, then so is your faith. I don't care how hard you believe, if Jesus is your object, then your faith is valuable and precious even when you're struggling with doubt. Even when you're facing man-made storms or fall-made storms. Jesus is the one who enables you to stand firm and to come to him even while the storm rages. You can come to him. There's a song written by the late James Cleveland that says, I don't feel no way tired. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy. I don't believe he has brought me this far to leave me. I've been sick. I've been in trouble. I've been friendless. I've been lonely. But God has brought me, he's brought me this far, and I don't believe he's going to leave me now. Let's pray. Lord, you won't leave us now. No matter what the storm says, no matter how we're feeling, you ain't going to leave us. You will not forsake us. You will not abandon us. How do I know this? Your word says so. Your word says it is true. So my feelings, I can't just always go upon how I feel. I can always just look at my experiences. Though those things are valid and they're real, I also have to believe that there's someone who is greater than my feelings and greater than my experiences, and that is you, Jesus. That is you, Jesus. You enter the storms with us, and somehow you give us what we need to survive it. And sometimes, Lord, you even calm it for your glory, and for our benefit. For you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It is in your name that I pray. Amen. Please stand as we have our call to, not call to worship, we're getting ready to start over. Uh, Benediction. Also, don't forget about the congregation meeting tonight at 5 p.m. Guests are welcome to attend. Uh, but it's definitely for, for members, But all guests are welcome to attend, to observe. So we definitely w- want all members to be here in person. But if you can't be here in person, uh, we will have Zoom available. Cynthia is going to run Zoom for us, and you better type in questions to, to her to, to, to for, for me and the other elders. So please be in prayer for our time uh, this afternoon, and, uh, and I'll see you back here at 5 p.m. Not Village Church time, 5 p.m. We're starting at 5 p.m., so that means you should probably come a little early, okay, 5 p.m. Okay, now here's God's benediction to his beloved. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way, and the Lord be with you all. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you.